Table podcast, your audio book club with me, Annie, uh, and I'm joined by Fee. Hello. And Sophie. Hi. In this episode, we're talking about our book of the month, Exciting Times by Nish Dolan. Uh, for those of you who haven't read the book, here's a quick summary. Uh, Ava is a young Irish woman who moves to Hong Kong to take a teaching job after graduating from college, and the book follows her relationships whilst there. It's been praised by authors like David Nichols and Marion Keys and compared to Normal People and The Bell Jar. The Bell Jar? Yeah, someone compared it to The Bell Jar. Oh. I've not read The Bell Jar, Sorry, I... but I did buy, I... buy it. <laughs> I've not read The Bell Jar in years and I, was, I don't remember too much about it. I have to say I'm very because glad. Because I don't really want to, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um. So I thought it might be good to start with what did you guys think about this book going in? Because I had heard a lot of people saying it was good, but actually I knew nothing about the plot. Like, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure when you suggested we read this book, you said, oh yeah, it's, she's in Hong Kong. And I was like, oh wow, she's in Hong Kong. I had no idea. Like, <laughs> I knew nothing. See? I was the same. I knew relatively nothing about the plot but I'd seen the book being I'd seen the book all over like in when I went into the uh, Waterstones or the bookshops or when I went um like on the tube or I just saw it around a lot and I know a lot of people love it but then I also know a few people have mixed feelings about it so I didn't know where what it was going to be like or even what the story was going to be <laughs> yeah safe um I was kind of I I hadn't heard of it um or the author so I didn't have like yeah I didn't know anything about it going in but I guess I was like it was a bit I don't know not hesitant but like it has all of it has like if you read the quotes on um like the blurb I don't normally pay too much attention to that kind of thing but like something always I'm always skeptical of books that are kind of framed as like this is a not a voice of the generation but you know like this is speaking a real truth about modern society type vibes because I find that that is not something that I really feel like works for me a lot of the time so I'm always a bit skeptical kind of going into books that are framed in that way because generally when it's like oh this is telling the truth it's like it's telling a truth that is only applies to a certain subset of people so I don't know yeah like I'm always a bit kind of on yeah, the fence about yeah. books positioned um, like that. I didn't even know that that was the reputation it it was it have it you have it has or have I don't know what fascinates me about this is the sheer number of people who have said this book is amazing it feels like an unusually large number of people listen to this mm. Zadie Smith Marion Keys Graham Norton Pandora Sykes David Nichols Hilary Mantel and then some people who I haven't heard of um but you know they've written some big important books like and the other thing that keeps on coming up is comparisons to Sally Rooney. Now, have either of you yeah. read Sally Rooney? I haven't read any of Sally Rooney's books, but I did watch Normal People uh. when we were in that lockdown phase, <laughs> banana watched, bread making phase. Yeah, in the banana bread and normal people phase of lockdown. Um, yeah. So I've read Normal People. And if anything, like I, uh, I liked Normal People. But I'm not sure if that that would have sold me on the book if someone had given me this book and said, oh, read it. It's just like normal people, or just like Sally Rooney. Like, because yeah. I have a lot of reservations about her books in general. What was, well, the thing is, is that one noticeable comparison is that like, they're both Irish authors, both yeah. female white Irish authors. And I think the way I'm not sure if the way they write is similar but the plot obviously they're both quite contemporary plots and like 
they're mod not they're not modern plots but you know what they're, yeah. they're set in modern day they're about just people and the emotions like there are so many other books that are like that but I think it's a bit weird that because they both include Irish um context within their characters their characters are Irish yeah that that also might be a reason why they're being put in the same category yeah yeah um I don't know I having read this book now I think it's doing it a real disservice to compare it to Sally Rooney but I think you are right that it it's sort of like an oh Irish women thing you know rather yeah. than a kind of any concrete similarities what did we think of the cover okay. loved it I love simplistic covers I love the colors mm. oh, I just love it I love it when because I was reading it at lunchtime and a lot of my colleagues hadn't seen the book or heard of it and mm. they were just like oh what are you reading be a mystery to the people around me is that is that just a weird quirk yeah. that I'm like oh mysterious girl I mean that's not what I like about it but I do also really like this cover yeah no no I, I like it it's like it's very clean and simple and just very nice for me and yeah it doesn't really kind of tell you anything except but I think the colors work like for the kind of yeah I don't know I like the, colors. I think the colors fit with the book if that makes sense I can't really I couldn't really tell you why but I don't know I think warm colors just fits with the book and the vibes of the book if that makes sense yeah yeah also did anyone else like halfway through the book go back and look at the cover and go oh my god three toothbrushes two in the cup and one on the side I got that Did when I finished the book and I was like oh I know I understand why there are three toothbrushes I didn't re- I just got that I didn't realize that <laughs> three toothbrushes two in the Whoa. cup and one on the side my mind has been blown yeah I thought it was just a lot of toothbrushes <laughs> I don't know I just didn't think about Love the you. symbolism of the number of two brushes. <laughs> oh, oh. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to need a moment, everyone, to get over this. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, by the way, if you haven't read it, this is very much a novel about three toothbrushes. Okay. Uh, so normally we structure our discussions thematically and we'll have a list of things that we want to talk about um but this book i think splits itself very neatly into sections i think they're called julian edith edith and julian and to me at least i think each section has this really specific vibe you know yeah the sections really stand out and pop from each other um and so i thought that we could just talk about those and in that order yeah especially because i think that's a good idea (laughs) i i don't know about you guys i love this book overall the entire first section i was just sitting there like oh my god what am i reading why am i reading this i hate this i hate this oh god i hate it (laughs) i was so bored reading the julian section what what is it about it that you hate because i know for a lot of people like books that don't necessarily have a plot is a big turnoff but I actually really love books that have no plots <laughs> I don't know what's wrong plot. with me well I didn't mind that it had no plot I just I just hated them Julian and Ava no both of them yeah Julian and Ava yeah. I have a sticky note that I put in on page 28 it says this is like a Sally Rooney novel, except instead of the characters being awful and like me, they're awful and nothing like me and I hate them. <laughs> and then on the opposite page, I've underlined the line, my chief sexual preference is that I don't like you. <laughs> Which really, that captures the vibe of that first section for me, you know? I just didn't, I just didn't find it interesting. I'm not in a not plot type way because I did find the next section interesting I just was just not I don't know I felt like I was being given commentary on this is modern relationships all emotionally detached sex feelings and I was just like I 
I I don't relate. I don't care. <laughs> like I just couldn't get kind of. I don't know. I felt like a lot of the book wrote off your ability to connect with the characters and understand and like their motivations and find that interesting. But I just couldn't really get invested or interested in anything that was really happening in the Julian sections. The most that the, the only few times that like I got it got enjoyment out of me was the jokes that it made about like big city bankers and law firms because my mom works for those types of companies. So there's a joke about slaughtering me and <laughs> letters being linked that did make me laugh because I was like, yeah, I, I, I know I know all of these corporations. Um, but yeah, that, that was kind of, I, I did enjoy that aspect, just poking yeah. fun at the financial services. Uh, yeah. Oh, I think in the same way, I really liked all of the making fun about, oh, you can tell him from he's from Oxford because he just talks yeah. about it all the time. Yeah. I loved it. I mean, I thought that was very funny. Weirdly enough, once I got later in the book, I started to feel like the Julian section had made me feel that way on purpose. You know what I mean? Because once you get further in, I think you realize that she, like, it's not a commentary on everyone feels that way. It was it was set up as this really purposeful contrast. And once once you can think about her doing it on purpose, you can recognize the craft of it for me. I didn't enjoy reading it, but I could sort of go back and think, oh no, I get it. I get I get what she was doing and I can see the purpose in it. But I think while I was reading that first section, I was just like, I understand the comparison to a Sally Rooney novel, but Sally Rooney's characters have something redeemable about them. I don't know. See? I think... Well, when I, for me, reading the Julian section, I didn't, I, I didn't mind the interaction that much because I, don't, I think I've know people who have those types of, or who have had those types of relationships. Not that I, I, I agree with it, but I guess the uncomfortable thing is you're watching a toxic relationship form and play out. And Julian is a very... they're toxic for each other Ava and Julian are just toxic together the thing I found about Ava was that her personality was almost formed in relation to whatever Julian was doing I oh Julian went to Oxford I didn't or Julian is a banker I'd not I'm not rich or I'm not this or I am this in comparison to who Julian is or what Julian has and I was like, but I don't understand who Ava is. I came away from that section kind of knowing what Julian, like the the character of Julian. And I can almost predict his actions, but I couldn't predict Ava's because I still didn't really know who she was, like mm. without Julian. Yeah, I, I found all yeah. of the stuff, everything that talked about Ireland, I found really interesting. Um, is that because so, you live in Ireland? Well, I was just about to say, it, it's actually because, so there's a lot of stuff about Ireland in the context of, um, well, first of all, in particular, the um, abortion referendum. Or, yeah. no, Ireland prior to the abortion refer- referendum, right? Mm, yeah. And a lot about it is sort of living in the context of uh, it being extremely expensive to get an abortion and how that affects the way that you have relationships. Right. Um, and I found that really interesting just because mm-hmm. I arrived in England, uh, I, I arrived in Ireland, sorry, after the abortion referendum. I don't know. I wouldn't want to say that if you needed an abortion in Ireland today, you could get one. I don't know that that's the case um, because I think it is still sort of a very slow process. But I think just the just the fact of it having happened by the time I arrived in Ireland probably made things different. And I'd never really thought about what it must have been like to just be sort of a woman in relationships in Ireland prior to that moment. And mm. I found that really interesting. Um, so, so do you think that maybe by Ava being in Hong Kong and not having to think about if I hadn't, you know, to get an abortion or anything like that um 
or not not that you know that with the with uh, can you have an abortion in hong kong i think you can i have to be honest i don't know yeah well i think that's the point so so she starts out by saying um I, yeah throughout college back in ireland i'd kept a savings account that i charmingly termed abortion fund it had 1500 euros in it by the end i knew some women who saved with friends and they all helped whoever was unlucky but i didn't trust anyone i got the money together by waitressing then kept adding to it after i had enough for a procedure in england i liked watching the balance go up the richer i got the harder it would be for anyone to force me to do anything and then she spends that um just before leaving Hong Kong, I sat my final exams. While they were handing out papers, I counted how many hours I'd waited tables. Weeks of my life were in that savings account. For as long as I lived in Ireland, and for as long as abortion was legal there, I'd have to keep my dead time locked up. Um, so I think, I don't know the extent to which that affects her relationship with Julian, or that affects the way that she has relationships and therefore mm. her relationship with Julian. But I think that was this really interesting framing of she was in Hong Kong with the money that she set aside in her savings, you know, in case she ever needed to go mm -hmm. to England and have a procedure. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I, oh, I'd be hesitant <laughs> to say that. That's, oh, no, you go. I was just going to go like, that's the thing. We don't know a lot about Ava before, I guess, before like the first chat, like the first chapter of just her interacting with julian yeah and for me that means like i don't know what it is she's wanting from this uh, interaction with julian obviously you know she enjoys that julian spends money on her she doesn't feel guilty about it because i guess she she was say she said that you know she's giving you know her time in a way and that's of course why wouldn't people want to spend money for that and but I just didn't understand. I, I didn't understand it. It didn't mean I didn't enjoy reading about it because I found it quite fascinating. I, I left away, like going away from when Julian left, mm. I was like, okay, so maybe we're going to have a period of getting to know who Ava is. But I guess she was still in Julian's apartment. So she's surrounded by Julian still or memories of Julian. Mm. I, I assume that that is kind of purpose that we don't know Ava outside of her relationships because she doesn't open up like I, I got the sense that that was like a deliberate like we you get the sense that we only know about as much about her as Julian does like maybe a little more because we hear her in Tunnel mm. but we don't know much else and then I guess I also wondered if because by the end you still don't know Ava particularly well outside of how she handles relationships which is not very well yeah uh, and I feel like again that that's probably a purposeful thing like Ava doesn't either know herself or is unwilling to share herself with people in an honest and open manner therefore we as the readers are just not able to know her because she can't do that like that's the vibe I got I think Ava really knows herself if I'm honest. Mm. But I think... I think... Yeah, oh, go, go for all it. All I wanted yeah. to say was I think this is a book with... I can't think of any other book where the internal monologue is so filled with self-loathing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is one of the things that, in a depressing way, one of the things that people really respond to about this book. Like, because... Mm -hmm that's what we know that Edith and Julian don't about Ava you know we know as much as they do about yeah, Ava but yeah. we also know that she is miserable at the thought of herself yeah well I, I think Ava she like she performs for people like for Julian she put, puts herself she knows she's performing when she's having sex with Julian because she wants to please him or and she mentions like I know how to please men or I know how to be with men mm. on the on the regards of her changing her outward projection of who she is to fit to almost 
stroke their ego or make her more desirable. She keeps on saying, I'm good at men. I can do men. Yeah. But yeah. And I guess that's what's so interesting when Edith comes yeah. in. So should we talk about part two now? Edith. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to start this off again with another one of the post-it note thoughts I stuck into this book. Yeah. Um, sort of literally maybe 20, 10 pages into the second section, which is just called Edith. Love has made Ava a bearable person. I don't know if I just found it in a weird way more relatable. Like it was interesting watching Ava try and sort of navigate the boundaries of a relationship where for the first time she kind of wants to make a connection, but yeah. isn't really capable and doesn't really have the skills to know how. So she's kind of sort of in this weird, I don't know. I just kind of, I found that much more engaging than the, the weird little dance she was doing with Julian. I think that's because we actually like Edith. That and yeah. we don't like Julian. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, it's not that I, yeah, I guess I don't really, I, I'm more like indifferent to Julian. I mean, I know I don't like Julian. I don't like him. I, I mean, I liked, but, I liked him in the third section. Yeah, but that's because but, we understand him better. I think. But I think, I think that has made me sort of blind to how much I found him completely unbearable in the first section. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, no, he is just one of those guys that enjoys the stroking of his ego in whatever regards, even if it's just kiss arsy, he enjoys it. And it's, <laughs> and the, the comments between them, I was just like, the way they would, would sarcastically banter with each other was almost the point of, I was just uncomfortable or I'd cringe at it a little bit. I found some funny. I found it funny, but I don't know. It's just like, I don't know. I just, I could, he just annoyed me so much. But Edith is so different because she's so open about who she, well, she's open about who she is. She open, She's open about who she likes. And I think, the way she always co goes to Ava is something different because Ava always was just there with Julian. But Edith was more active in saying, should we go to this? Shall we do this? Come to this? You know, like, it felt, she felt it, inviting. I found it really interesting. He was so engrossed in Ava's monologue where it was like, oh, Edith's inviting me to places, but I couldn't invite her to places because she's so much more important than me. And yes. then when they yeah. have an argument and Edith's like, and I was the one who, I was the only person, you know, you kept all the power because I was the only, like I had to keep inviting you to places and doing places. It was like, you've been so in Ava's head that you didn't think about, like, I think Edith, I sort of bought into Ava's impression of Edith as completely untouchable. You know what I mean? Yeah. She yeah. seemed sort of above and beyond. She and did. so it's yeah. sort of really shocking almost when she comes out and she's like, no, I have feelings and I want to be treated nicely and be respect, you know? Yeah. I think Ava puts people who are financially, who earn financially more than her on a higher pedestal. And I don't think, I don't know if she looks past that. Like she look, I think until they say it to her that, oh no, I have feelings. I have issues as well. That she doesn't look past the glitz of having money. And I guess that might relate to her enjoying seeing her, the money go up in her savings account. Like this relationship she has with money. Mm. I also just felt like she was able to be more of a person with feelings herself with Edith. <laughs> yeah. I think Edith encouraged that for her because I think all the, the intimacy was done in Ava's room, although be it, it was in Julian's apartment. Mm. But I think when, cause Edith changed the picture um and that 
made it feel a little more like her space and then having Edith in her space was almost like going okay I'll let you see a part of me that I don't show people and like I guess because Edith is more like let me let me come in and more forthcoming as a person it almost forces Ava to just lower her walls a little bit yeah I I do think I I thought the book was completely sort of static observational you know static observational literature about people incapable of having feelings and it was so sort of gray and solid and then suddenly she had real feelings for someone and it was a it was a lighter book it was a more enjoyable book it had more joy in it you know what I mean yeah and the weird thing is is that Edith works in a corporate space as well so it's not the corporate background which is taking the life out of the relationship but you know what I mean I think I think that was Julian's main personality was he was a corporate worker but Edith is also a corporate worker but she almost is able to show her personality separate to her work even though if she's on her phone answering emails she's able to separate herself from her work self I mean like Edith was definitely were like they were they were definitely like kind of set up to mirror each other um like with the one distinction being that Edith is, you know, from Hong Kong. Well, no, she's mixed race. She's like her dad's Chinese and her mom was from the Philippines, I think. Because like they both went to boarding school yeah. in England. They both went to like yeah. Julian went to Oxford. Edith went to Cambridge, and now they're both. Now she's a lawyer and he's a banker, but they're in the same sort of industry. So they were kind of very, you know, carefully set up to sort of be sold with each other's mirrors but to then have very like different and then contrasting personalities um and kind of mm. yeah mm. well I also thought Ava thought they were similar but they weren't yeah you know I think I mean? you're right about that yeah yeah it's almost like Ava saw them through that lens she like ticked off all the sort of milestones or like fact things about the mm, that were similar without taking into consideration that they had different personalities and like different experiences moving through the institutions that they have passed through like she sort of was like oh yeah 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 you you fit all these same headings but didn't really kind of take into consideration that they had sort of there were a lot of things that would make their experiences especially in the institutions very very different can i can i start by saying did we find it weird when either wanted to invite julian to their like to this date was it a date oh so weird so what well, so i don't weird. think it was a date i think it was like a what was weirder is they kept doing it did anyone else really enjoy when they were doing beach cleaning together i, I just love the chaotic <laughs> energy of just like oh this 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 trio of just like what are you doing you all should not be hanging out together. I mean, I was like, I so want to be <laughs> in Edith's head right now to understand <laughs> what on God, earth she was thinking. Social responsibility Sundays or whatever they called her. And the way that like Julian and Ava were like, what the hell is going on? They felt so like scared because they didn't know how Edith was going to be or why they invited <laughs> both of them. I did I did very much enjoy that section just so like this incredibly weird energy of just like people that should not mix I really wanted them to all be friends though I can't explain it I just so badly wanted them to like what I wanted was for the story to end with Ava moving no not Ava Edith moving in to the flat and Ada, Ava and Edith having, you know, their room and being like Julian's friends, you know? 
I think that would be a bit hard <laughs> given the history. It would be extremely odd. But like, I just wanted them to be there, you know, reminding him that it's good to be human. I think that would be weirder. And, and, and forcing him to listen to their Marxist opinions and having social responsibility Sundays together. Like, I did, I did wonder if it was going down the line of having a polyamorous relationship. And part of me wanted oh! that. <laughs> I also consider, yeah. I was looking rooting for the poly outcome too. I was like, this would be a very interesting ending unique way to yeah, solve your love triangle problem. it has mix them all together, them all together. Both see i get that but i never rooted for that because edith doesn't like men and so i was like edith doesn't deserve that yeah, and edith true. is the only one of the three of them who i like you know no oh, i liked all of them but well, i liked we edith all... best we all conclude that Edith was the healthy relationship out of all of them she has the most like she has the healthiest approach mm. and it I think Ava is like almost trying to understand a healthy relationship and being like but why do I want like why am I being drawn to the unhealthy habits and the unhealthy relationship do you think she was drawn to the unhealthy like do you think she wanted like, I think the second yeah. that Ava came in, she had no interest in being with Julian. You mean Edith? Yeah, the second that Edith came in, she had no interest in being with Julian, but she was still his friend. Like, I thought that was the tension. I thought she was his friend. I, she was his friend, but I don't think she could separate friendship yeah. and casual sex. And like she was, they were never in a relationship. Julian and her were never in a yeah. relationship, but it didn't stop her having relationship thoughts about Julian. She she knew she was more invested in the connection that they had than Julian was, and I think that was the heartbreaking thing for her because she was trying so much to separate herself from that. <laughs> But I don't know. I think once she met Edith, she, always... she stopped needing Julian. But Julian still needed her. No, because she kept she kept That's what the vibes it really gave She's... off. What did you say? For me at least. I don't know. I was like, I that's that's at least the sense that I got. Like, I don't know. It it was like she didn't. I think I think it's I think I agree with like both of you. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's possible, but like I think I like I think she did just want to be friends with Julian, and that's kind of how she saw it. But at the same time, she'd already mixed friends and sex, so that just made the whole situation kind of weird and messy, and was kind of part of the issue. She was like, "Can I just be friends with this man and have the same dynamic?" Mm and not have sex with him like can this work yeah. um and like it but it did also feel like she was somewhat clinging to him like he was this I don't know what he was to her but it was something I guess something that was less yeah. scary than just allowing herself to be swept along with Edith because she you know could have moved out sooner and quicker and and I didn't, think Julian was able to, to because she she from the sounds of it it was she'd been used to those relationships that unhealthiness and that kind of relationship is what she's used to and is something comforting in a sense but the thing is is that even when she was with Edith we would still she would still bring up Julian and bringing up writing like faux messages to send to him about Edith but essentially she's still thinking about him and she still doesn't send him messages saying that she's met someone until she accidentally sends it. And like, she's also sent messages saying, I miss you. So there's still some connection that she can't separate from whether she wants to categorize that as friendship or something more than friendship is, I, I don't know, but it felt very much like an attachment that she couldn't sever. See, I had a different read on it. I thought that Edith, Edith was worried that she still wanted some kind of romantic or sexual relationship with Julian. And I could understand that. But I think 
What are you talking shite, about? You shite, 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 shite. No, no. I think Edith thought that Ava. Yeah, I was right this time. Oh, I oh, was right, right oh, I this time. Mean... Edith thought Sorry. that Ava still wanted some kind of sexual or romantic relationship with Julian. Um, mm. but Ava didn't. She. But I don't think she had the words to say, no, we're friends. And he is a friend of mine who is going through something really difficult and needs my help right now. You know, because I, I think once his father had a heart attack, he really needs her and he needs her to be her friend. And if anything, them having sex just makes everything worse. You know, like, yeah. because because Julian needs yeah. friends who aren't terrible people. I agree, but she still ends up having sex with him. Yeah, but again. only once she's broken up with Eva. A- Edith. Edith. A- Edith. <laughs> Edith. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, no. Okay. Um, I think that (laughs) she ends up having sex with Julian after she's broken up with Edith as a defense mechanism. But I don't like. I think. I think. Is it a defense mechanism or no? No, I think she broke up with Edith as a defense mechanism. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I was really proud of Edith not reaching out first. Yeah, because she's always done that. And I was like, no, Ava needs to do that. If she, if, if Ava wants that relationship with either, she needs to make the move. But, oh, I was so scared at the end when she was moving to Berlin with Julian. And I think she's aware of it. I yeah. think she was aware of it, even, her, even at the beginning with Julian. She knew this was bad. She knew it wasn't healthy, but she was like, I'll just go with, with the flow of things. I think she was just like, what else am I, what else? Am I gonna do? Well, I just... she definitely knew moving to Germany with him was a bad idea. Like, because the first time she's like, "I'm not moving to Germany with you," and then she has nothing left, so she's just like, "Fine, I guess I'll move to Germany with you." It's I felt like, like she she wanted him to again. Ask. It's that whole yeah, because I think yeah, but that that all goes back to her weird dynamic with him because she wanted someone to yeah. want her. I think because Edith had left at this okay. point, so. Can I just quickly check in on something? How does it end? She is with Edith. Is she? I, 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 I know why you're asking, and I agree. The ending was super rushed. Oh, this... I was going to say it was super ambiguous. She just gets off the escalator and sees Edith, and I thought the implication was she chased up the escalator after. Yeah, Edith. I couldn't I don't tell think if that was a planned meeting. Like, you don't know or if they get just, back together. Like I thought it was a planned meeting, but her chasing up after her in the escalator made me think, oh god, did they? And does does she go to does she go to Berlin? It's. I think that's the yeah. point. Like you don't know, you don't know the outcome of that. It seemed like a planned meeting, and then she started like running after her. I was like, well, it you says know it does say here. It was very it was as though we'd planned it mainly because we had yeah yeah and then she very spontaneously starts running off and i was like god you know where she's going you don't need to chase her this isn't like an airport scene thing she's not gonna fly away just, just go up the escalator like yeah. another person um but yeah like we don't know the outcome after <laughs> that like she could have just met edith and then been like bye well it doesn't sound like it because she was like i ran up she ran up the escalator Mm -hmm. despite this man going like fuck you or (laughs) whatever shouting in cantonese and she was like she was obviously happy like she didn't care like what atrocities social atrocities she was doing because she loves edith and she knows she loves edith she was just scared I would like to decide that the purpose of an ambiguous ending is to let readers decide what they think happens. So if anyone would like to know what I think happens, I think no one goes to Berlin. I think they all stay in Hong Kong um, and Ava and Edith... <laughs> I was like, Sorry. but that's not the book. <laughs> I was like, Julian yeah, is Julian's already in Berlin. No, no, no. Julian <laughs> okay, comes back. 
and they get a different flat with more personality. Okay. And Julian learns to have friends, right? Because that's what Julian needs. So Julian doesn't need a romantic relationship. Julian needs friends. Julian has friends in Adara and Edith who gang up on him and are obsessively Bolshevik towards him and make him mellow out a bit and give his flat personality and Ava and Edith get married and tell her parents and everyone's parents are fine with it and they all lived happily together ever after and Miles never has another heart attack. The end. That's a lovely thought, Annie. And every Saturday they have socially productive Saturdays together and they bitch the entire time. The thing is, though, right? I don't think Julian evolved that much. Don't you? He was able to say to I her that he give... wanted her to go to Berlin. He did grow a little bit. He grew a little bit, but not to the extent that your ending has made him out to be. Well, then something happens slowly. to him in Berlin or Frankfurt or whatever <laughs> that makes him grow enough to realize that what he wants is to go live in a flat with his lesbian best friends in Hong Kong and look after his father. I, I agree. Like, I, I think Julian, I think Julian needs someone healthy in his life, but I don't think Ava nor Edith are the people. You don't think Edith could be Julian's healthy person? Well, no, I mean, she's got a lot on her plate with Ava, as it is. (laughs) You're not wrong. But I think that I I, I, I want them all to be friends. I know, you you want sunshine and rainbows. I want want them to have socially productive Saturdays together. You know what the mad thing is? (laughs) I read books like this all the time, and every time it ends, and I'm like, I really enjoyed that. Imagine that I had a happy ending. <laughs> At least that is so much. I, I'm sure that's much healthier to do than to go. Yep, yeah, life's fucked. Yeah. Let's move on, ladies and gentlemen. This is what true chaotic good looks like. It's reading, you know, surly, holier than thou literature, and then forcibly imagining your own unproductive happy ending. I have to say, like, I do understand why there are mixed reviews because I know. I know that that there is no plot to this. It is mainly about relationships, and Ava is not the most enjoyable character to read about. But I think I think it was a really well written book, and I think it's one of those books that help. Like it forces you to understand somebody else's perspective. And somebody else's life that may not be your moral it. decisions. Do you know what I mean? If it had my forcibly happy ending, it would be a demonstrably worse book. Yeah. And I liked it. Like I liked so, it a lot. Yeah, definitely. I think it's more representative <laughs> of life, if I'm honest, because life does not it does not project these healthy you know you, you don't encounter healthy people all the time or or, or people relation have relationships that are healthy you have unhealthy relationships and you have healthy ones and you have emotions and bad habits and yeah. self-sabotaging habits that is something you have to be a, you, you just become aware of or learn how to come out of it as you grow through life I don't think it's something you can solve just by one event happening. Unless that event is therapy. Ava and Julia both in therapy. God save <laughs> Now that would be a great next book. Ava and therapy. <laughs> and also Ava gets a job that doesn't relate to children because... <laughs> Cute, right? Oh God, yeah. I think she liked her job by the end. Uh, yeah, I, 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 a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like Ava is a character that is just floating through life at the moment. Yeah, she, but she's and that's very understandable. She's allowed to be directionless. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Like that's why it feels so realistic because she's a twenty-two-year-old that doesn't know. Like she's just graduated. She definitely should not have herself and life figured out. 
And I think that's something so, you know, contrasting between, you know, Edith and Julian who are in these careers that have like a fixed kind of um, ascending scale of careers where Ava is just like, I'm just teaching. And that's all I'm going to think about from for for this moment like Ava's not someone who looks a teacher who hates children you know well she's not looking too far into the future she's not debating what she likes or what she dislikes because that's the point of Edith Edith comes in and goes hey I'm something you like and she's like oh my god you are why why am I liking this what the hell is wrong why am I doing this (laughs) and that's the first thing that It's the first thing that makes her go is like, oh, actually, I do have options. So I think actually, I do, I can choose the he- healthier road. How do you feel about it, Soph? I don't know if I loved it, um, but I enjoyed it. Once I got past the e. Julian section, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I just, I was really bored. Um, uh, yeah, I, but no, I don't think I loved it. I did kind of, you know, I, I could like identify with some of Ava's behavior and stuff like that. And I did, you know, think she was a relatively realistic character, but I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is about it, but I, I, I couldn't really say that I, I loved it a lot. Um, it was just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think characters are great when they have flaws, but I think Ava is one of those characters that has too many flaws that you're like, this character needs needs something else like you you are as like when I was reading it I was like I want Ava to get help I want Ava to choose better for herself and that was the sympathy like bit see but I kind of think I mean obviously she should have been honest with Edith and she should have broken it off with Julian and but I sort of think the thing about her staying in Julian's apartment I sort of think like Julian's father had had a heart attack I think it was good that he not was, only that she, she couldn't find it him. like what could she afford in Hong Kong something really really shitty yeah like that that's something I think that like Edith I don't think was thinking about that aspect either I think she was like you're living with someone that you slept with that you have feelings for I want you out of that place but yeah like- that, but I think by the end they were just like flatmates who showed their love for each other by telling each other to fuck off you know what I mean in a friendly way yeah but I can understand like- Edith's concern with that because you know she doesn't she if you're not part of that relationship or you haven't seen that relationship grow the way it has then you are on the sidelines very confused like and that's the thing we as the readers know how the relationship has developed and what it is but Edith doesn't and I think that's where her fear comes from I also think the second we saw we sort of uh, the second we saw Ava with Edith we were like oh god Ava's never going to want Julian ever again you know what I mean yeah and she didn't like god god loves a try she she was like no oh my god I now know what it is to actually have feelings for someone yeah you know yeah um but that didn't mean that her and Julian couldn't have been friends yeah I was just about to say that and then I was like oh no I'm happy ending again (laughs) like I think but I think Edith because yeah like when you look at the ending it's like I do feel like Edith could have been a little more understanding but I also get where she was coming from but I think it's important that she doesn't get that because Edith herself needs to have flaws like she can't be the perfect person that Ava is to Mm -hmm. fit in with this world she also needs to both be able to you know make decisions that are maybe a bit selfish um because that's what the other two do and also to 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 make mistakes like she has that same right as Ava does who is just continually making nothing but mistakes for basically the whole book really um but yeah I think yeah. I think what's nice about this book is that we have very different inter like well we don't have very different interpretations of the characters <laughs> but we have 
different feelings about to the extent about them does that make sense Mm -hmm. like um I think we all have a different idea of what what would be best for Ava but I guess that's also because we don't really know what Ava wants and what we know what she needs but we don't necessarily know you guys don't have my supreme affliction where every single thing I read no matter how awful anyone is I'm just like these characters are my beloved broken children and I will make things better for them you know how did you get through Shakespeare (laughs) like if that is your prerogative these characters are my broken, beautiful children. And half of them are dead. Um, they got murdered. I had to read about that. I had to watch my children murdering my other children. It was actually very traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> also, can I just say that I love Miles? Yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Loved Miles. I didn't think I would, actually. <laughs> like, from, from what I'd heard, like, with Julian and everything, I was like, oh, yeah, fuck this guy. It's <laughs> like... Oh wait, he's actually crazy. I love how when Julian was away, she kept on going to see Miles and being his pal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she had a better friendship with his dad than she did with him. It was just it was such a weird friendship, but like you're like, yes, Ava, this is this is what a more normal, yeah. healthier friendship looks like. Well, you can just but I think with someone. you know, anyway. I loved her mum as well. I was going to say, should we move on to rating the book? So we have a very sophisticated five point scale here on the book table podcast. Um, we rate books one to five with one being don't read this book, two being get it from a library, uh, three being buy the paperback, four being this book is good enough to be worthy of buying in hardback and five being by a special edition you know it's that good um so where do we think this book sits i would give it a hardback and i'd say for me it's probably a solid paperback i don't think i'd get it in hardback i feel yeah i feel content with my paperback i am exactly i i I I want to give it a 3.75. I'd probably I'd probably give it a hardback. I think I'd give it a hardback. I think it would be very tip it's like tipping point. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But I would still give it a hardback because I did thoroughly I did really enjoy it. I read it very quickly and I enjoyed reading it even the julian part i read it very quickly but that's just because i only bought it yesterday i read it very slowly because i read it on my commute to work and then i didn't commute for the rest of the week so it got to like 12 midday today and i suddenly realized that i hadn't finished it i very nearly came to this episode without reading the final few chapters (laughs) so why why do i sound like the nerd (laughs) (laughs) like it's like I'll read it. I'll read it the night of that, like it's given. <laughs> no, let's see. When did I, re- uh, when did I finish this? it by Wednesday? But then I just couldn't go into the office, so I just forgot about it. Uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Like, other, you've obviously got other things like to, <laughs> in your life. I don't. <laughs> I bought this at quarter to three yesterday, but I'm sure I started reading it less than 24 hours ago. Like I read it in about four or five hours. You're, you you just amaze me. (laughs) You're fascinating. (laughs) I Like a weird bit of mold, I'm fascinating. I just, I don't know if I have that power. I, I know I don't have that power. I've always been a super quick reader though. That I, I just always Yeah, have. I should know by the, by the, um, the fact that you've multiply, like you've said multiple times that you listen to audiobooks at like times two or times something ridiculous. I listen to audiobooks at double speed because the readers read too slowly. Do they not sound chipmunkier though? That's if you speed them up. Okay. No, no. 
you, you just you get used to it. I mean, above twice speed they sound chipmunky, but like double speed, fine. But also, I talk fast, and people read audiobooks very slowly, and they read them in these very deep, slow voices that make the whole thing boring and pointless. <laughs> right? <laughs> just speed it the fuck up like you've got the mechanic there why not play it at double speed your time is worth more than this I mean people. the fact that they I used to... slowly is probably why as a child I could fall asleep to audiobooks like just there to yeah. lull you to sleep yeah. see got things to do places to be books to read you know <laughs> but I'm reading an audiobook I'm reading an audiobook so that Annie. I can simultaneously read and do something else. Yeah. Annie, you've got to stop jiggling those keys yeah. or whatever Sorry. you're jiggling because otherwise that's picking it up. Sorry. Okay. So I think that just about wraps it up for Interesting Times by Nisha Dolan. Um, Exciting. <laughs> it's not interesting. Annie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. If you haven't read it yet, I hope we have inspired you to. Uh, in the meantime, next month is... If you haven't read it yet, we've spoiled it for you. <laughs> I don't think that matters. I think you can read this book. I If we've spoiled it for you, read it anyway. It won't make that much of a difference. Um, okay, so I think that about wraps up our discussion on Exciting Times by Nisha Dolan. Um, next month is February. Uh, so obviously we're going to read a romance book. Um, and February's book was chosen by you, Sophie. Do you want to tell us about it? Yeah, so our pick for February is Rosalind Palmer Takes the Cake by Alexis Hall. Um, and it's about a woman who has dropped out of college to raise her daughter and is struggling for money. Um, she lands a spot on a baking show a uh, reality TV baking show uh, with the prize money would be enough to sort of like provide financial stability for her and her daughter. And along the way, she uh, ends up falling in love with, I think some of the, some of the, well, the, some of the other contestants are romantic, but potentials. That's not the one I want. Interest? Okay. Interest? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> interesting times <laughs> <laughs> yes anyway yeah so that's that's a, a a summary of the book um i feel like if we don't have a sexy poor hollywood character within this book i i am going to be disappointed i hate poor hollywood what is your deal with these men <laughs> Honestly, I hate most people, but like Paul Hollywood, I just think doesn't like cake. And, and that gives a real reason enough to hate him. Seems a bit extreme. No, we don't need we don't need my intense Bake Off opinions. This Bake Off um, drama is going to wait. The only drama that concerns Bake Off is whether this musical I mean, that they're doing, this Bake Off inspired musical, is going to work. I really hate how everything just becomes a musical these days. It's like random movie. Let's make it a musical. And it's like, stop. Stop turning everything into a musical. Maybe first Shrek the musical. I I would go, you know, that was that was Did you ever see Shrek the Musical? No, but I met the actor who played Shrek in Shrek the Musical. <laughs> because he was at our he was at our careers fair. Oh my god, was it? And he gave me free Shrek merch. <laughs> this is very strange. Anyway, okay. he was a really nice guy. Really enjoyed his he really enjoyed playing an ogre. Um yeah. <laughs> Have fun editing this, by the way, Fee. We're really, you know, giving you a load of Honestly, I'm I'm gonna fly to Ireland just to take away those fucking keys. <laughs> Oh shit! Sorry, I just picked them off again, didn't I? Put them away. <laughs> I, put them out. I of have reach. put them away. No, don't put them somewhere you can reach them. Yeah, put them in the oven. them up again. No, the oven. Did you just say put them in the oven? Yeah. Yeah, don't put them in the oven. Not my bun. That flat down. 
I don't even have a microwave. That that's what would burn it down. Putting them in the microwave. Okay. Yeah, that would that would burn so, everything. Okay, down. now I'm gonna go back to um the outro because hopefully all of this got cut. Next week we're gonna be talking about classic books. What makes a book a classic, and what are some of our fave classics. Um, so let us know what your favorite classical books are. We'd love to hear from you. Um, our Instagram is at the book table podcast where you can see what we're reading. Um, Bill, or let like us know your with thoughts non- on what we're talking about next week, which I have been happens fiddling to be with this classic literature. I just so spin it we're going to be talking about makes what no makes a book a classic and what our favorite classic books are. So let us know your thoughts. Um, yeah, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. <laughs> sorry it was just so abrupt like thanks for listening goodbye <laughs> oh I don't know this I'm just feeling in a chaotic silly mood <laughs> me too me too anyway right. thanks thanks for listening yeah and we'll oh here we, that, I, I remembered what you say this is our fifth go this is our fifth go at the outro i keep doing it guys we will we will talk again next week have a great week we'll try and fit we'll try and understand what this chaotic energy Uh. is (laughs) but but we'll 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 talk later many thanks to who's editing we'll hopefully get this into a listenable condition bye